There are two books of the Bible that are named after women. One is Esther and the other is Ruth. It's obvious that women are very precious to God and an integral part of his plan to rescue the world. And today we're going to crack open the book of Ruth. If you would go ahead and turn there with me this morning. Ruth, that is in the Old Testament. There's a really cool thing in the front that tells you where they're all at and gives you like page numbers and stuff. So if you have any trouble with that, or if you got a phone, you can just like say, Siri, turn to the book of Ruth or something like that. I'm just kidding. I don't think that works. The book of Ruth starts in a little town called Bethlehem. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a small town, probably around just a couple hundred people. 1,300 years before the birth of Christ, in that same town, God was writing a story through the life of Ruth, a story of his redemptive plan. And that story starts off with two parents by the name of Elimelech and Naomi. Elimelech had... Uh, There was a crisis in that town, in that nation, and he had to uproot his family from their hometown because of a famine. So they left Bethlehem and went all the way to Moab to find food. And that was a week's journey by foot. So already life is, is in turmoil. Well, Limelech and Naomi had two boys by the name of Malon and Chilion. And then all of a sudden, Elimelech dies. And Naomi is a widow. We'll pick up in verse 4 of Ruth chapter 1. It says, Naomi's sons, Malon and Chilion, took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah. Fun fact there, Oprah Winfrey is actually, her real name is Orpah, but people mispronounced it so much she just like said, fine, I'm Oprah from now on. That's real. You check it out later. The name of the other was Ruth. So you have these two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, and they lived in Moab for 10 years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman, Naomi, was left without her sons and without her husband. So they had stayed in this land of Moab for 10 years. The husband dies. The son dies. It's a real happy story to start off with. Verse 6, and then she arose, Naomi arose with her daughter-in-laws, to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So Naomi hears that they had food again in Bethlehem and she decides it was time to go home. But Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth, loved her mother-in-law, which is a miracle too, right? Uh, But, I'm just kidding. Uh, Naomi wanted Ruth to stay there because she thought it was going to be a better situation for her there in the place she uh, was raised in Moab. She wanted uh, Ruth to be able to remarry and start a new family, but Ruth refused to leave Naomi. And you'll see in verse 16, some of the most beautiful words in scripture ever said. This is what Ruth says to Naomi. She says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Another fun fact, that was Tori and I's uh, wedding vows too right there. 
It really was. Don't laugh. Jeez. Critical. <laughs> but so Ruth said to her mother-in-law, you are my family. Your God is my God. I will never leave you. So after that week-long travel uh, from Moab back to Bethlehem, Naomi and Ruth pull into uh, that little town. And people were stunned to see Naomi. Verse 19 says, the two of them went on till they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Now, Naomi was only about 50 years old at that point. Uh, She'd been away for 10 years uh, since those people in Bethlehem had seen him. But the sorrow of losing her husband and losing her two sons had taken a toll on her body. She was unrecognizable. They didn't even recognize her. So here you have two widows, newly at home in Bethlehem. They would need some things, the most basic things. So Ruth ventured out to find some food. And in those days, when they harvested their fields, they were commanded by law to leave some grain behind for those people that were poor or hungry. So that's how they helped them. They said, here's, we're going to not harvest the corners of our field so that if you are in need, you come and you harvest the corners of the field, and that's a way that you can find food. So verse 3, Ruth set out, and she went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened, I like that part, it says, she happened to come apart, uh, come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech, which was her father-in-law. So it just so happens that the field that she went to belonged to someone related to her father-in-law, and his name was Boaz. Boaz saw her in the field and not only let her have as much grain as she wanted, but he also fed her and he uh, gave her water, everything that she would have needed. See, Boaz knew what Ruth had done for Naomi and he wanted to reward her for her loyalty. So Ruth had left her family, her culture, her friends all behind to stay with Naomi. That would have been a huge sacrifice in those people's eyes. Most likely, Ruth would have faced some prejudice from many of the people in Bethlehem because she was considered a foreigner, uh, an outsider, an immigrant. She also had no children, and which that in that society seen at that time would have been seen as a punishment from God. And even Naomi would have been looked down upon because of the deaths of all the men in her family. That would have seemed like some type of curse from God to those people. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say Naomi and Ruth were in trouble. They needed help. You have two widow ladies that were embarrassed and outcast in their community. But Boaz showed them kindness. Verse 10 says, Ruth fell on her face before Boaz, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice upon me? For I am a foreigner. Then when she brought the grain back to Naomi, Naomi was floored. She had, uh, Ruth had about 30 or 40 pounds of grain. That was an amazing amount. And Naomi asked who had showed this kindness to her and allowed her to harvest this much grain. And Ruth said it was Boaz. Well, now Naomi was more than floored. She was like basemented, right? She's like, this is the only guy that could have ever helped them. Boaz was the one man that could save them from their social and economical problems that they were in. See, in the Old Testament, there was something called a kinsman redeemer. 
And a kinsman redeemer had an economical impact. How many of you really get jazzed up about ancient real estate law? Is that something you're real like, man, I love it. Talk more about it. Well, bear with me for a minute, okay? There's a purpose here. See, when land was sold in Israel, it was more like a lease or a rental agreement. Since all the land reverted back to the original owner at the year of Jubilee, every 50th year. So the original owner and his family still possessed the title to the land. So Ruth's father-in-law, Elimelech, had sold that land in a time of hardship. And that land could only be bought back and redeemed by Elimelech's family through the paying of the balance of the lease to the current occupant. So first, they would have asked Elimelech's sons and then down to the nearest kin. But widows, however, were not listed in that inheritance. There was no hope for them to be able to ever get that land back from Ruth or Naomi. So the nearest of kin thus would have seemed to automatically become the new owner of the property if he was willing to pay the price. A kinsman redeemer also had a social impact, not just an economical impact. This redeemer could restore the family's name and restore the embarrassment that had surrounded them. Now, kinsman redeemer had to have three qualifications. He had to have the legal qualification of being the nearest relative to the deed holder. He had to have the money to pay off the remaining years of the lease, and he had to be willing to pay the price. Now, I challenge you to go and read those four chapters of the book of Ruth and study it and really see all the ways that God worked in the situation with Naomi and Ruth, because it's amazing. But I'm going to give you the uh, long story short. Boaz ended up buying that land back, marrying Ruth, bringing the family land and good name back to where it belonged. It was amazing. So why, why are we talking about this? Why is this story important to you and I? It's because Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. See, our sin debt that we had accumulated was so big. You and I are morally bankrupt. Our debt could only have been paid by someone that had the means to pay for it. Someone that had never sinned before. Someone who was innocent. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, be reconciled to God. Why? Because for our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Why? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. See, Jesus was legally qualified to buy us back. Jesus also paid a greater price than Boaz ever could. He paid with his life. 1 Peter 1.18 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways that you inherited from your forefathers. You were ransomed not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ like a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus was willing to pay the price, and it was always the plan. Romans 5, 8 says that God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus in our place. In fact, he was so willing to die for us in Acts 8, 32, it says he was like a sheep that was led to slaughter. Like a lamb before its shears, he didn't even open his mouth. 
Jesus was willing to go to the cross for you and I. See, Ruth had three major problems. And without Christ, we share those problems. Ruth's past was cursed. She was a foreigner. Her husband and and child had died, or excuse me, her husband had died. She was born on the wrong side of the uh, tracks, quote, quote, unquote, because the Moabite people were thought to be a cursed race at that time. So her past was cursed. She didn't have much going for her. Her presence was crushed. Her life in Bethlehem was characterized by embarrassment and poverty. They had nothing. And her future was condemned. With no husband, no children, no land, no income, without a redeemer, she was hopeless. And so were we. Our past was cursed. Our present was crushed. And our future was condemned. Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. This is you. This is your story. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off were brought near by the blood of Christ. We couldn't buy our way into heaven. We couldn't be good enough. We weren't even legally uh, even qualified to even try. But he became our redeemer. The word redeemed can mean to purchase, to buy back. It can mean to buy out. It can mean to take off the marketplace. It can also mean to be set free. See, when our Lord redeemed us, not only did he buy us, but he took us off the marketplace. We're no longer for sale. We are set free. We are his forever. Christ, our redeemer, died on the cross. He died for the sinners. He paid all our dues. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child. Forever I am. I am redeemed. I am set free. See, Boaz didn't have to show Ruth that kindness. And God didn't have to show me that kindness either. He would have been completely justified in sending me to hell. Because my past was cursed. I was guilty. I was ashamed. I was broken. My presence, uh, my present was crushed. I was dirty, I was lost, I was blind, and my future was hopeless, destined for pain and punishment and hell. I bring nothing to the table. He brings everything. In that little town of Bethlehem, Ruth was broken and hopeless and desperate and defeated and dejected. But through her Redeemer, Ruth received a family, her name was restored. She had a loving relationship. She had a home. She received a fortune. She no longer had to pick up the scraps of the field. Now she owned the field. She received fruitfulness. She and Boaz ended up having a son, Obed. And all that cultural and societal embarrassment that she would have faced was all of a sudden gone. And now she had a future. Because of the love that Boaz showed Ruth, she bore a son, Uh, that was the grandfather of King David. 
And she was now in the ancestry and the genealogy of Jesus Christ. See, she used to be an outcast, and now she's related to Jesus. And through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, we receive those same things. We receive a family. We're part of the family of God. We receive a fortune. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Jesus. That means we receive this spiritual inheritance. We have this amazing future to look forward to. We receive a fruitfulness. John 15, 16 says that Jesus uh, says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. That means God, God has for you the opportunity to make an impact on this world and to bear fruit and to make a difference that lasts far beyond your life. And we also, through our Redeemer, received a future. We receive a home in heaven through Jesus Christ and freedom on this earth that could have never been possible. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was broken. I was embarrassed. I had no hope for a future. I was in sin's prison, but I have been redeemed. With every head's bowed and eyes closed, band's going to come. This is a moment for you to reflect on this amazing story, this amazing account, historical account of the book of Ruth. This picture, this beautiful allegory for what it means, what the gospel means. Jesus is our redeemer. He bought us back. We had no hope. We brought nothing to the table. It wasn't because I was lovely. It wasn't because I was such a good person. It wasn't because of anything on my account. Jesus bought me because he made me and because he loves me. And every person on earth, God desires that same exact thing. In fact, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. He wants a relationship with each and every person. So if you're here and you have a relationship with Christ, the most amazing thing that you can ever do is tell someone about Jesus because he wants to redeem them too. Let's reflect and let's remember on this last Sunday of 2018, are we thankful for the fact that we're redeemed, that we don't stand guilty before God anymore? Think about that. God bought me. Now I have a future. Now my past is covered. My present is destined to be spent in communion with God. Take a few moments and let's dwell on those thoughts.